Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode number 134 of the Get Around Podcast. Per usual, in the host chair, it's me, Jake Adnip. In the studio with me today is James Cook. Our coworker Andrew had a little bit too much to do on the news side today, so we decided to take a duo and tackle this one alone today. We have a lot to talk about, and we're going to get into it here in just a few minutes, but uh, I guess I'll let you know what we're going to do with the show before I start screaming and yelling at everybody, but in the Pulse, we're going to talk about the Record Eagle Classics and the games that James has worked tirelessly to try and set up and give you an update and some news on those. We're also going to talk about the Pittsbitters who are going to restart their season on Sunday, what we think about that, and if it is going to work, so make sure you stick around for that. We have a great interview with Great Lakes Resorter catcher and Frankfurt alumni, Brett Zimmerman, gave us a lot of insight, especially uh, he's in kind of a unique spot that you'll hear about in the interview uh, with being one of the players that tested positive for coronavirus out of the Pittsbitters pod or out of the Traverse City pod in the Northwoods League. He is recovering. But make sure you stick around to hear from him and exactly what has gone in, on in that whole situation. After that, we're going to get into a new segment called Chatter That Matters. And we're going to talk about the NBA bubble and seeing if it is actually going to work. There's been a lot of complaints coming out and this and that and people getting sick, big stars getting po- testing positive for COVID. So we're going to get into that after our interview. Then we're going to put in our last class into the Hall of Fame for the 2019-2020 school year. And then we are going to get into our trifecta and talk about what we think the Washington Redskins should be renamed to. They just announced that they're going to ditch the Redskins name and become something new. So make sure you stick around. We want to hear from you and what you think they should be named uh, here in the future. So make sure that you comment and tweet and do all that good stuff with us. But that'll be at the end of the episode. So stick around to hear what we think should be the new name of the Washington Redskins. Before we get too far, I always want to remind you that we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. I'll start it off like this, James. You, Andrew, and myself all tested negative for COVID-19 last week. So... Yay. Yay us. Yeah, we uh, had to go get the antibody test and get swizzle-sticked up the nose. I uh, I got poked on one side, and then that didn't quite work, so she had to go up the other nostril. But, hey, it's all just to make sure that I wasn't getting sick. I wasn't getting anybody I know sick, that we weren't getting each other sick. But that's the thing, James. Even though we're negative, it's not like we're out there not wearing a mask in public. Yeah. Apparently, though, one of the bonuses in this is that I learned that I have a nose that is perfect for getting tested for COVID. Just swizzle stick right up. That means that they could totally give you a, lob- a lobotomy really good, right? Just stick one of those little like, hook sticks maybe, up there. Maybe they already have. Just, <laughs> uh, probably. Uh, just swizzle stick you and pull your brain out through your nose. I've heard of that old ancient like Egyptian routine. Yeah, the lady doing the test just like pushed it in, pulled it out. It was like, that's like one of the easiest ones I've ever done. I must have like... Big nostrils or something. I, I'm, I'm a mouth breather. Probably person. from all those crayons as a kid. <laughs> Shoving glue and crayons up your nose. <laughs> yeah, I was born with a deviated septum, so what was it? 26 now. I think I was 22, so like four or five years ago I ended up getting nose surgery to correct my deviated septum because my entire life I could not breathe out of my nose. Like I had asthma as a kid when I was running, doing miles for football and everything. I never knew why I couldn't breathe, and I was just like... <gasps> yeah, it's because my nose literally didn't work. But anyways, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Before we get started in the episode, I want to talk about this whole fiasco that has just transpired in the last week or so, and this whole hissy fit that has been tossed over people wearing masks. Today is obviously the first day in Michigan that it is required by like law or executive order, whatever it may be, but you can be fined $500 if you don't wear a mask indoors. 
Why does it have to come to this? Like, why? I don't know. I fail to see why, how it became a, a political issue There's no as reason. well. But it, it also just seems like it's not hard. Putting I, on a mask is not a hard it thing. It is not an inconvenience. Whoever whoever's no. out there saying that this is like a, this is such an inconvenience, you literally might wear a mask for and we're talking on the high side in public spaces, fifteen minutes on average per day. Except for the what, once every two weeks that you might be going to the grocery store, or I mean, you shouldn't be doing everyday grocery store trips, but I'm sure that people who aren't wearing masks are the same ones who aren't adhering to that type of guideline as well. But once every two weeks, you might be in a store for an hour with a mask on. What are you complaining about? It's not about even just you. It's about your family. It's about the people around you. If you have COVID-19, the possibility of you giving it to somebody if you're not wearing a mask is so high. So high. Even if somebody else, even if somebody else is wearing a mask, if a healthy person is wearing a mask and you have COVID-19 and you talk to somebody with a mask on, it is still extremely likely that they're going to get COVID-19. How hard is it to take a step back from yourself and be, hey, there's some shared social sacrifice for 10 minutes out of my day to put a piece of cloth or an N95 mask over my face. And it's just an inconvenience. Everyone is inconvenienced. I get it. Everybody is is trying to like out inconvenience each other and complain on social media about Oh, woe is me, how much I've been inconvenienced during all this. We've all been inconvenienced right. by this. Like, okay, like per, here, great example. I, we, we got tested for COVID last week. Before we went to get tested, I didn't have, like, a thermometer. I just had, like, little first-aid thermometer strips. And I go, man, I want to go to the, the pharmacy and buy myself a real thermometer to make sure I don't have this. There's not a single one in sight. I go to Meyer, I can't find a thermometer. I went to three stores, I can't find a thermometer. Yeah, that, that's an inconvenience because I'm actually trying to see if I am sick. You putting a mask on your face while you walk into Speedway and grab your case of beer isn't an inconvenience at all. Whatever you call it, it's not an inconvenience. I ask people to do more for me every single day than to put a mask on their face for 12 minutes. And they happily do it. And it's not just, it's called, it's, it's called like society. It's called like interacting with other people, caring about someone else. It's not literally all about you. And if anybody who's sitting there going like, oh, they're, they're, it's, my, my right to, it's my right not to wear it. Yeah, okay, it is your right not to wear it. But you sound like a poop head. Straight up. You do. Like, <laughs> for the lack of a better word, you sound terrible. Oh, my God, it's not my right. Dude, of course it's not your right. But yeah. it's your responsibility, dude. It's, it's, it's about the people around you. You just made it your right to shell out $500. Yeah. Is it really, are you telling me that you want to die on this hill? Quite literally, you could die on this hill. Or if somebody else can die on your hill. Yeah, exactly. Or you can build a hill that somebody else will die on, all because somebody told you that, or somebody at least recommended that you do something for the greater good. Yeah. I I saw some meme on Facebook or Twitter. My my favorite ones are the people who haven't seen anything like that, and they're just like... I don't have to do this because it, it's just me. You can't tell me what to do. Nobody's telling you what to do. At this point, I'm, I, I've been asked, we've been asking nicely for five months. And we, can you not see evidence of what the difference is? I mean, you literally look at European countries or Asian countries more or less like Japan. Japan's cases are great. Dude, they all wear masks all the time. Nobody complains about it. It's not a big deal. You wear masks now so we don't have to wear them later. You guys have to think about everybody. Everybody who listens to this podcast is why we need to wear masks. The coaches, the kids, the parents. 
These kids have an entire year of athletic competition in jeopardy. An entire year. Some of them half and half. Some of them going into their first year in college. That transition. Mm-hmm. Have this all up in the air. Because some people can't take a small sacrifice and wear a mask when they go into a public place. Mm-hmm. We're sitting here in this podcast studio week after week talking about how things are not going to work or how things are shutting down or how we're trying to get things back. Everything we've talked about in the last three months is going to be null and void if this is the trajectory that we stay on. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what people who, like, lived through World War II are thinking right now. They're like, all the shared sacrifice that they went through, and they're like, oh, all you got to do is wear a mask? That's it? That's it? That's it? You know, or the, or the kids who had to do, you know, get under, the, get under your, the, the drills to get under your desk at, you know, during For the Cold War wars, because yeah. you thought there was going to be a nuclear war and everything like that. They're like, oh, a ma- that? A mask. That's it? A mask. Doesn't seem hard. I, I, Doesn't I, seem hard at all. I don't get it. And I, there is no excuse anymore. You, If you are not wearing a mask, what I look at you like, and this is, I'll say it. You think that you are better and more important than every single other person in this world. It's not who you come in contact with. It's whoever anybody else comes in contact with. Your friend's mom, your friend's grandma, you know what I'm saying? Your coworker's mom, your coworker's little baby. You don't give a crap about anybody but yourself i'll put that out there because guess what it's not that hard it is not that hard we want sports back we want normal life back things are not going to reopen if this is the way it goes things are going to reclose yeah if we keep having if we keep having a rise in in cases you know there goes that small percentage of the of a chance that we can have football in the fall there goes a small percentage of the chance we get football in the spring if they keep it up james it's true. Because if you don't start wearing masks now, I don't expect you to start wearing masks in October or November when this gets worse and worse and worse. What are you going to keep saying? Hey, it's just going to get, it's just going to be there. It's just going to happen. You sound dumb. End of story. But I'll get off my high horse and stop screaming at you guys. I hope that I, I, all the people, I, I, I hope all of our, our listeners wear masks. I hope all of our, our athletes wear masks. I mean, we've seen what happens with the pit spitters at the athletic events. We've seen what happens. At, you know, gatherings. We've seen what happens at protests. We've seen what happens everywhere. At sandbars? Yes, at sandbars at Torch Lake. It is not hard to get this. You'll hear later from Brett Zimmerman (laughs) exactly how easy this is to spread. So I'll leave it at that. Make sure you stick around for our interview with Brett Zimmerman, who is currently recovering from COVID-19, and you can understand why everybody, not, not just healthy or not just sick people, not just old people, not children, not just children, everybody needs to be wearing a mask when they are in public. I implore you, please, we want sports back. Now, let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, get ourselves into the pulse, James. I know my pulse is a little bit raised right now. I might be a little bit heated. (laughs) So I'm going to let you take this segment and kind of tell the people what's going on. I know we kind of got to get into a bit more of a somber attitude here, but, yeah, the Record Eagle Classic, we had the – Baseball, softball, rowing, and soccer games planned for about the next week and a half, and we got some pretty somber news today. So go ahead and let everybody know what happened. Yeah, well, we had to we ended up having to re-record this first part because of a, a technical glitch, and uh, so now we're doing it a little bit later on Monday than we normally do. So uh, the time in between, I spent texting about a hundred kids and informing them that the the Record Eagle Summer Classic games were not going to happen. It was it was a bummer. I mean. I, I was like genuinely sad as I was typing these kids' phone numbers into my into my phone, and uh, 
you know, I mean, we just, we had a, an issue come up with uh, our insurance company where, uh, you know, we just couldn't get the insurance that we need to get COVID, for the man. events. COVID, man, they just, I can understand why, I can understand why they'd be skittish. Once again, we're talking about how easy this is, but. Yeah, it's we, one of those things where you get it, you don't, you don't, you don't like it. But you just got to deal it, with it. And there's nothing, nothing we can really do about it. And, you know. I mean, one thing I we, can promise. We shoot, we shoot for next year. They have these, you know, all-star, all-star events next year. And I guess the, the silver lining of this is that we have all those. We know, we know how to do this now. Yeah, we we've, laid the we've, groundwork. We've done it. We did all the legwork. We did all the groundwork. And, you know, we had everything done. The only thing that got in the way was COVID. Yeah. And James did all the legwork and everything. So don't let him fool you by being humble over here. James did so much for this. I know today was hard, not just for... You know, for for him and for the athletes who you know got that text message from James, but I mean, just just all of us over here at the Record Eagle, we wanted this is man, we wanted to give these seniors a chance, just some semblance of something for their senior year, and yeah, just just closure, literally one last game, just just a chance to leave it all on the field, because most of these kids never knew when their last game was, at the time. Mm-hmm. Some of them never even got a chance to practice for their last game. Yeah, you know. I mean, just one day you ended, you woke up and it was over. You, you know, you didn't even get to go out in the field and hear that last horn at the end of the game or anything. You it, or have that last bus ride or you were just told it was over. Yeah, and I and and seriously, like I know that James did everything that he possibly could to make this make this happen with from COVID preparedness plans to to like you said earlier, buying a bunch of hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes to plaster all over the dugouts and the benches and the and the area whatever it was you know sitting here thinking about it and trying to make it work all the details worked out just fine and the overarching stuff was good it's just we could not get the coverage that we needed in order to make this actually a possibility or a reality i guess would say yeah and there was a lot of coaches that helped and chipped in a lot too you know there's i mean with just with softball there's uh, mike thompson did a lot sandy clausen did a lot Abe Cruz, Dave Kenny, um, on the the baseball side, you know, I, I I bounced a lot of ideas off of like Tom Passano and Pat McDonald, Matt Beauchon, Chris Herman, Doug Perryard, and uh, Matt Nowicki, and uh, you know, and for soccer, Scott Conway did a lot of the heavy lifting, and Jeff Ross went out and got us officials for the soccer games for free, mm-hmm. even you know, Barb Beckett helped us set up officials for the baseball and softball game that we were going to pay for and you know we had turtle creek stadium set up for the baseball game we couldn't do the softball game there because of the the way it's set up but yeah you know and you know we, so we had a lot of there, there was a lot of help and everything in this i mean it was it was a it was a team effort and we thank you for that yeah definitely um, and uh so i know it pains all of us yeah at least the good thing is is that i guess that you know these seniors can can i guess rest their hats on knowing that we're determined to do this again next year, and that next year's seniors will have one more game to extend their careers in the summer. Oh, I, I, and and you kind of helped lay the groundwork with that, with this season that you sacrificed. Yeah, and I mean, just want to say thank you to all the, the softball players who, you know, tossed their names in the hat to play, all the soccer players, you know, all the baseball players who jumped right on board and were ready to play in a moment's notice as soon as they heard about this. I mean... The whole community was excited about this. I know we were, but, you know, sometimes things are out of your control. You can control every little thing, but 
sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you want it to. Nope. So speaking of things not working out quite the way they wanted to, we got one more little thing to talk about in the pulse before we get into our interview, and that is the pit spitters. They've been off for about 10 or 11 days at this point, and they're going to restart on Sunday after retesting everybody. Apparently, they had a, you know, a slew or a quote-unquote cluster of positive COVID-19 tests, but they come back Sunday. They nix the Dune Bears, so the Dune Bears are dead. It's just going to be the pit spitters and the resorters playing each other all the time now. Does this last? It was um, three days last time, James. It, was only, it only took three days before this stuff got transferred, or four days before this stuff got transferred between players. Does this last? I, I think there's a much better chance of it now. You know, will everything remains to be seen, but, I mean, uh, the pit spitters are doing double testing on everybody. you got to pass a test twice before you can get back on the field or practice or do, even be added to the roster. Um, you got to pass two tests. So any new guys that they add have to take a test before they leave wherever it is they're, they're at now. And then when they get here, they have to take another test and quarantine before they can be added to the roster. So I think that's a, a big improvement over, I mean, at the beginning of the season, obviously they were in a hurry to, to get the season started and get as many games as they could. And, you know, they gave the players one test and then started playing. And obviously that wasn't enough. And at four games later, they had to uh, to call everything off for a little while. So, but we had 14 days in between there. So, you know, in, in theory, everybody that's test, been tested twice in between there. And is negative. And is negative, should be good to go. Um, anybody who tested positive has to have, you know, 14 days probably. If they want to, if they're going to stay here and keep playing for the team, has to have 14 days after the positive test before they can go. But it's, I think it's got to be a lot higher percentage that, that it works this time than, than last time. Um, hopefully they've learned from their mistakes. You'll hear a lot more about this here in our interview in just a couple of seconds. But for me, the only thing, the only thing that I'm still worried about is the fact that we can do everything possible while we're at Turtle Creek Stadium in order to mitigate this. But mm-hmm. it's what goes on outside of the ballpark that really makes a difference uh, yeah. with these guys and the travel and wh- whatever it may be with host families or you know where they're staying. Whatever it may be, there's a lot of outside, you know, once again – We'll talk about this. There's a lot of outside needles that can pop this bubble and make this kind of go sideways. And the, and the very good news, I guess, to, to draw from this, too, is that we have heard um, no instances of fans, you know, uh, catching anything from the players because there's so limited. Uh, there's no interaction between the fans and players like there used to be. It would have been there's us. No, there's no autographs. There's no high fives between, you know, the, the fans and all that. Yeah, we had way more interaction with the players than, the, I think than we're they about, did. I think we're about the only, we're about like the only like little sliver that is allowed in there. Yeah, uh, and the TV between. folks and everything. And, you know, that's why we went and got tested and, and all three of us tested negative. But, you know, and there's no, you know, as far as I've seen so far, there's no uh, incidents of host families or anything mm-hmm. from the players because, there's been zero test, uh, positive tests on the pit spitters, who are the ones who are all housed with host families. It's all been from the resorters and the dune bears who are housed together on the campus at the Interlochen Center for the Arts. And now they will, they, they have, you know, some guys have been cut, some guys have gone home, they're filling in. I think we said about 12 new players are going to be entered into the fold for both the dune bears and the pit spitters. We're still not quite sure how that's all going to kind of play out when they kind of mix this all back together. We're assuming that some will be switching teams, maybe balance competition a little bit more uh, to see how they do these things because it will just be the two of the teams. But we'll go ahead and we will listen to that interview with the Great Lakes Resorter catcher and Frankfurt alum, Brett Zimmerman, right now. 
Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Great Lakes resorter, Wayne State catcher, Frankfurt alumni, Brett Zimmerman. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me. Brett is joining us via telephone while recovering from coronavirus, COVID-19. He was part of the resorters and those teams that were exposed to that in the last couple of weeks. Just first of all, how are you doing and how has the last week or so been for your your health and your recovery? Are you doing okay? Yeah, for me, it really wasn't too bad. I mean, I had a cough and a few minor symptoms, but uh, I was doing pretty good for the most part. I got tested because of the exposure, not because of the symptoms, and came out positive. So I was just laying low, hanging out in my bedroom, and just social distancing. I know it's got to kind of be tough getting back on the field, not having it, and then this all really quickly, two, three games, kind of turn around, and then you get taken all away for a couple of weeks. I mean, what's that roller coaster kind of been like for you guys as players? It's tough for sure. I mean, it's tough to go out and – compete especially after not playing for months at a time and really not knowing that we were going to have any sort of summer ball to begin with so everything came about so fast I know for me like I was told and I pretty much had I think it was nine days from my invite to or two weeks or so I don't know nine days two weeks from the time that the coach contacted me asking me to play for him to first game or reporting and so there wasn't a whole lot of time there. I mean, you just try to get in shape and get a few swings and then just compete at that point. And now, what, what, has been like, what has it been like, you know, you got into the swing of things and now, I mean, obviously you, you being one of the players who tested positive, I'm sure you haven't been able to do much in form of extra training or staying active over the last couple of weeks. But what has that kind of been like getting back into the swing and then bang, bang we're back all the way back into, you know, quarantine? I mean, coming home – Initially, I was, I mean, I was in Florida. We got called that season's canceled, drove home. I, I shut everything down for like a month. Like, I did not go out at all. And so having our couple games and a guy test positive on our team, we all went back, got tested a second time, and it, the lights kind of just started to ding. Like, yep, there's another, there's another. And so with me, I got a positive, And I guess I just, I mean, I kind of just locked myself in the room. It's like I I was locked up in my room before I even got the positive back. Once I found out one of my teammates had it, I decided to cut away from everything. And I mean, I really, I leave to get some food, go to the bathroom, and that's pretty much it. Now I know we talked to we talked to Joey and Cooper, you know, about kind of the extra worry about coronavirus and the fact that, you know, you were exposed by one of your teammates, but you are actually still living with your family. It's not like the rest of the resorters or anything who are full-time at, at Interlock and Public Arts Academy. I mean, was that more of a worry for you, and how have you kind of reacted to bringing it home? Not too much. It was because I definitely didn't want to expose my family, but, I mean, the league itself kept us pretty busy. I mean, we had practice, we had games, and so – I tried to steer clear and hang out with the guys too, to become a part of the team, not, but also to be respectful of the chance that I am getting exposed to it and I am around people. And the organization itself did a good job of keeping us separated from the fans and they gave us masks right when we got there so we could practice with them on. So we really did a pretty good job at keeping, trying to take precautions. And yeah, so like the other side of that is, the team was living together. So outside of the field, there was a lot of exposure and having 
Like I know for myself, like I was hanging out with the guys and that's where the exposure came from. And it wasn't so much that I was scared of the entire virus as it was my family. So I, I tried to steer clear and I wanted to be part of the team and not just be a face that's there and playing a role. So I tried sticking out with the team and yeah. So did you test, you tested negative the first time, the, the first batch of uh, testing that they did uh, yes, when sir. you first got there? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, so I got tested before we could play. We had to get tested. I got tested roughly, I think on the 28th, showed a negative, got tested on the 4th, maybe, maybe 5th and showed a positive. I think it was the 5th. I think it was the day after our game. When you guys come back to baseball, do you think that you're going to see, like, a between your teammates, you know, I was at the game, I saw in the dugouts, not every player was wearing a mask, and then there were some times where, like, people were celebrating, like, that might have been against the team policy. Do you think when you guys come back to play, there's going to be a heightened level of awareness of the virus that, okay, if we want to continue our season, we're going to have to do this? Oh, without a doubt, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, we were told a lot of different things. Everything from masks are on at all times and you uh like if you're in the dugout social distance to no celebrating no throwing the ball around i mean there was a number of things that like we had to do and it took away some of that just feel of the game of like the competitive side of it because i mean like from the eyes of the player honestly so like it was something that i didn't like but i understood i agreed with why they were doing it I understood why they did it, and I didn't like it from the aspect of when I'm on the field, a strike-free call is kind of second nature to just take my footwork to third base and throw. And it just felt awkward. Like, there was a lot of times where I just felt, like, uncomfortable because of the things that, like, I'm trying to think, like, can I do this? Or it just didn't feel right. And so, like, celebrating when a run scored, um, we were told not to do that. And, like, it still happened, but not – like, we tried not to, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so, because it was just so second nature and we've done it so many times, that that's just how we played baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, trying to take that out of the game was different. And I think they're going to try to make more rules to keep it safer. But it's, it's tough to balance that yeah. and not have it happen even when. Because, like, it's not something you really think about. It's like, run score is my the first thought was never – I got to stay away from all my teammates. It's yeah. like, oh, run towards them. And then you start walking towards them, and you're like, wait, can I do this even yeah. right now? So they did a good job. They set a lot of rules that we tried to abide by the best we could. But, I mean, like, it really, like, it's kind of one of those scenarios where mistakes can't happen, and it just was forgetfulness, and it things just kind of played out. I mean, what is your attitude with that? Obviously, it didn't take very long for – that that bubble to kind of burst um what is your feeling on the longevity of you know the the baseball season over the summer or even into the fall my attitude towards it is it hasn't really changed i mean i'm kind of taking what i can get i feel like right now it's not a right to play it's privilege it's kind of one of those things that like if we if my number's called and they say there's a ball game going on i'm gonna do what i can to be there and get to play the game but outside of that i mean i fully understand them saying we tried it and maybe it's not the best idea or maybe it's too high of risk 
because the last thing they want to do is put the community at danger. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they're doing their best that they can in the best interest of the community and the players. And I feel like there's a lot of players out there in the same feeling and thought process as me, especially hearing from my team. It sounds like we're going to have a number of guys that are trying to get negatives and getting tested again. If they've kept a negative to come back and keep playing, some of the guys that aren't so close to home aren't going to be coming back. So uh, we're going to try to find a few more players to come and fill in those slots. So, Do you think uh, getting the virus as a 20-something, like, does it send a message to other people our age to say, like, oh, this virus is serious. Oh, we can get this too. We're not immune. I would definitely – this virus – so, like, in my perception, even, like, especially having the virus too, like, I am – pretty much asymptomatic to it i have symptoms but every symptom was minor i feel completely fine right now i'm just waiting it out like i said the majority of my my teammates were the same way so pretty much for the most part it's we have sore throats for a couple days some of the guys are losing taste or smell for a day or two but that's pretty much max but at the same time it seems like it's affecting people differently so i don't think it's anything to take lightly or think like oh it's not that big of a deal and it's fine because it it was amazing how it spread through the team it was absolutely like i was in awe about the numbers that came back and how fast they did and just like we shut it down and we're like i'm like i wasn't even near some of the players that had it and i tested positive and just looking back on it i literally was astonishing to see from one, the one guy to the next, how fast it went through the guys. It, the, and originally, we only had one positive on my team. So, wow. wow. So, uh, uh, I, now I, I want to take the conversation away from coronavirus for at least a couple minutes. Uh, we had you on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, we, we've had you on this podcast for a couple. It was man, it's been almost two full years now uh, since we had you on the podcast. I want to talk about how Wayne State has gone. I know you were an All-American in high school, and obviously, but just can you kind of tell me what your journey's been like since you left Frankfurt and how it's kind of progressed from there? Yeah, so I went into Wayne State, and I realized that there's a lot of good ball players out there. Like That's plain and simple how I can put it. Um, I went in there. There was a senior catcher that had been he was going on his fourth year starting. We had another kid that transferred from Southern Miss, that was going to be a junior that year. And I went into the spring and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'll get my shot, but I'm not going to get a whole lot of opportunities. I don't think. And, um, I didn't know where, how they really felt with me. And so I requested a red shirt. They gave me the red shirt went into this year. Things were looking a lot better in terms of like my aspect. I, I'd put in some work. I'd played summer ball in, uh, Missouri, in the prospect league and just kind of figure things, some things out. The level of competition was definitely a bigger step than I anticipated. And so just some minor adjustments in like the mental game, I realized you can't just live off talent anymore. So going into Missouri, I figured a lot of that out. I got to play a lot and I had a great summer there. Came back to Wayne this past fall kept putting in some work and had an opportunity to play in the spring and started playing some more and more. And then that's kind of when the season got canceled. But in terms of baseball, 
uh, yeah, I mean, most I can say is like there's a lot of good baseball players out there. Oh, of course, I know. I know going to the exact opposite corner of the state from from Frankfurt down to the the heart of Midtown Detroit. There's there's quite a few people down there. I'm sure it's a it's a big difference. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So you're only going to be so now. Let me ask you this: So you registered your freshman year, and then this past year, obviously, got canceled with coronavirus. So are you? St- Going into technically your third year in college, will you technically be a redshirt freshman? Yeah, yep. I'm gonna be athletically a freshman again. So. Oh wow! Uh, oh yeah. So you got plenty of time ahead of you to keep on developing then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, Brett. Thank you so much for joining us for now. What would be the second time on the get around? Another return guest. We always like having people back, especially so we can kind of hear how you've been. Uh, best of luck in your recovery. Best of luck getting back with the resorters. And best of luck in what seems like still a four-year college baseball career. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Another Huge thank you to Brett Zimmerman for joining us here at the Get Around. Uh, another return guest, James. You know, we always like having people back on if we can. I know we kind of asked him a few questions about his journey since. Always interesting to hear what's going on with the kids who came from our area. And now we just got a special opportunity the last three weeks to have those local kids who have gotten the chance to come back here and play baseball here this summer, have them on here. So another big thanks to Brett. Thanks to Cooper. Thanks to Joey. Uh, all three of those guys for making that trip home this summer and getting back on here with the Get Around. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. That's going to put us into my segment I came up with that I told you about earlier. Some chatter that matters. If you want to be honest, I actually had a dream last night that somebody like tweeted at me and told me I had to talk about this on the podcast today. I know that it was a dream because I, in fact, woke up to see who tweeted at me, and no one had tweeted at me. So I think it's just me telling myself that we needed to talk about it, James. We know the NBA bubble is about to get underway. I think it's about 12 days from now is the first game, or 13 days from now is the first game. We have so much going on with that. I just have a couple questions standard that I want to ask. How long does this last? Do we see this entire thing playing out going through to the end? Let's start there. James, I, 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 can, I can take off with this if you'd like, but how long do we think this lasts in this NBA bubble? Russell Westbrook already got tested positive for it, so he obviously won't be going. We have a bunch of other stars who have done this, right? What I saw online yesterday is that NBA players are inviting outside guests to come and hang out with them. People from that aren't in the bubble trying to get them to come and hang out in the bubble because they're sitting there quarantined all by themselves. I have NBA players complaining about the meals that are getting delivered to them, NBA players complaining about wardrobes and different rules and regulations that are there. I don't think this lasts long at all. I'm honestly, I would be surprised if the season gets off the ground, if, if, the, if the pod gets off the ground on August 1st. What about you, James? I think it maybe get off, might get off the ground, but I don't see it landing safely. Or finishing? Do you see it, do you, do yeah. you see it running its whole course? That, do you see a Larry O'Brien trophy being presented in Orlando this year? I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, the reports that are coming out of there early are not good. I mean, the Rockets already have. I mean, so Westbrook, James Harden, and uh, another player already just didn't even travel with the team. I mean, that's two of their star players. That is their team, basically. Didn't even go with the team. You know, Luke Bamute is the other one. 
And then and then the Rockets also just had another guy who got caught leaving the area that you're supposed to be in. So leaving the bubble. Mistakenly, but still left the bubble. And so now he's out for like another week or more. They put him on quarantine because he leaves the bubble. Like, how long does that last? I don't see it. Like, it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Like, I think the NBA put, I, I don't know how much money it really was, but I'll call it, you know, a billion dollar bubble. They put so much money into it. And I think it's all for nothing. I literally mean, like, they're not going to be able to finish this season off. And this money is going to go straight down the drain. I literally don't know why they did not cut the season off where it was, say, sorry, we can't do anything about it. We're starting back up in October or November when they normally would have. And they could have given that extra three-month buffer for this to kind of die down, maybe, you know what I'm saying, get past that second wave or whatever where they could bubble on the back end of this. We're just seeing a huge increase in cases in the country right now. And you know all it takes is one needle to pop a bubble. You get one person inside that bubble who's asymptomatic for even a day, maybe two, and they spread it to 10, 12, 15 people. We just heard on our, we just heard from an athlete playing what we consider to be a much safer sport in baseball. He said one guy got it on his team, and he was astounded at how quickly it spread throughout the entire team. The entire pod, all three teams, astounded at how mm-hmm. quickly it spread. And that's doing baseball. And you just heard the team was enforcing everything they could. All the guidelines. He said they did a great job. When they're living, trying to keep them apart, make sure they stay in. All these things that you're doing, and it's at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. It turns on its head. That's why I don't see it working. Yeah, I mean, I guess the effort's good, but I just don't see it lasting. I think they maybe should have even taken a page out of of, uh, UFC's book and just had, like, Hoop Island. An actual bubble. Put them on an island with that doesn't have anybody else on it. And then tell them, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but you're just here, and no one but has COVID. On, but you're on, this, you're on this island, and you're playing basketball. And no one can come in, no one can go out. Yeah. Airport's shut down, baby. Yep. Everybody, you know, let a, a certain number of media in, and the teams, and the, the people you need to run basketball games. and. But doing it in... That's it doing it in what is now considered the epicenter of the virus in the entire world in in Florida. Yeah, that was not a good idea. Yeah, locking it down there, doing it at Disneyland. And I'm pretty sure Disneyland's reopening. Yeah. Like, they are just yeah. reopening as a theme park. Yeah, they're reopening. So they're going to be surrounded by people coming from all over. What kind US. of bubble do you think you created? Not a good how one. You, yeah, how do, I, how do you think that's not going to get burst? I mean, that's <sighs> it's potentially a recipe for disaster. It's in reality, the NHL did a better job of possibly preserving because they have several sites where they're going to have people play and like kind of like do it that way, you know, not have everybody in this one big bubble that I think that was a big mistake. Actually, was what we just saw. All it takes is nothing. It's nothing. We can literally look at the Pittsbitters at the Northwoods League as almost the example for the rest of the country for everything. Professional sports in general. Baseball is started practice has started back up you know not competition not travel nothing like that the pittsburghers are like the only people who have done anything and we saw boom three days that's all it took three days yep. that was with 500 fans in the stands that was with only 70 players a major league ball club has more people than that in their personnel okay we're talking about 70 players between two teams 500 fans 
and it took three days. Mm-hmm. I don't see a, this. It just took one person. That's it. It took one person. Three days. I don't see it lasting very long. I don't see any sports professionally coming back and completing what they are. I don't think baseball is going to make it through October. Like we said, baseball is a little easier to social distance, but I still, I just, I find it hard to believe that you're going to be able to make it through that unless they have incredibly strict testing, the rapid testing done almost every day. Yeah, like, or every other day. And and then, you know, somebody tests positive, you're you're out for two weeks, minimum. But you've got to be even longer than that. Yeah. You and, know, like, that's my point is that just 14 days... That's how that's how long it normally stays in people's systems. Whatever it may be, it could be 20, 22 days. There's people who are still feeling symptoms after 30 days right now. just depends on how it goes. I don't know. It's just, in retrospect, I feel like the professional sports leagues, we know we've talked about on this podcast a bunch, it's all about the money. It always has been. They'll say it's about all the safety and stuff that they want. It's all about the money. I think that they wasted it more than they kind of gained it in trying to get this back. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody was rushing to be the first professional sports on television because it was going to be ratings gold. And in in rushing to do that, you, when you rush, you make mistakes. Yep. And, and even and mis- even and, even and if you're not are made, so even if you you're not rushing, them. even if you're not rushing in this situation, you're still going to make mistakes. That's why I think this is just ludicrous because nobody's ever done this before. We've never had to try to play through a global pandemic. That's just not how. Trust me. Back in 1942. 42 when they shut down everything because of you know world war ii it wasn't the same with social media and all this stuff and all this pressure to keep doing this we've never had to like push through it like this before nobody knows what they're doing so until everybody takes a step back and kind of realize that nobody knows what they're doing and we need to kind of like take this easy as we started this episode off with i think we're in big trouble yeah and, and pretty much anybody the only people who have pretty much ever experienced this in history are what the 1918 spanish flu yeah Who's alive from that that can say, hey, this is what we did? Not no one. No one. That's, that's 102 years ago. Well, enough with our depressing uh, chatter that matters. That section brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's, freak yeah. Let's go ahead and toss our last inductees into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan, the Get Around Hall of Fame. We have three more to close out the 2019-2020 school year. We put more in this year, I think, than any other year combined here on the podcast, especially over the past few months. We've tried to make sure we get kids some sort of recognition, even if it's just an imaginary club on our podcast wall. So, without further ado, James, who do we have this week? We've got a trio of senior athletes, uh, all all of which lost a a spring season, and then you know a couple of which lost the chance to play in in the all-star games that we're going to be playing in them. So the first of that is uh, Charlevoix's Emma Limeran. She was uh, going to be playing in our soccer game. She had a nice season last year as a junior, led a really good Charlevoix team, and just didn't get that opportunity as a senior. Yeah. I'm Once again, stinks that we won't be able to see her on the field in about a week and a half's time. Uh, next up is who was our track athlete of the year last year, Josie Beeling from Boyne City. Uh, she took second in the state in the 400, literally only finished second place like those two times in regionals and in the states. The entire year, she was she showed up again and again and again, and obviously we know this year she would have been right up in that upper echelon battling for a state title. Mm-hmm. And uh, a two-sport athlete because she was going to play in the softball, in her all, uh, softball game. And last but not least, 
We have Manistee Catholic golfer John Slivka. I mean, he was uh, a guy who placed in the top 10 last year in the whole entire state in the Division Four finals. And that was just as a junior. So who knows what would have happened this year as a senior. And the good thing about golf is that you can still do it safely. Yeah, the Traverse City Junior Golf Association is putting a whole bunch of tournaments on. They had, a, you know, three of them that they did for the high school kids. So that that was cool to see. And, and a lot of those high school kids participate in their regular tournaments. But they had three specifically just for the high school kids to be able to, to make some stuff up. Yeah, and I'm sure golf might be one of those sports that we see in the fall. So, But we won't be seeing John. Yeah, That's the sad part. It's going to be interesting to see what we get in the fall. It is. It's looking more and more like not going to be football. Oh, I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing there won't be. With the Big and, Ten and, and everything that's going on. And it'll be interesting to see if we see baseball in the fall. Like I said, a lot of people are looking at the Pittsburghers right now. So we'll see how this next stint goes, if they keep this rapid testing up or what. We have one segment left, James. Let's go ahead and get to it. It is this week's trifecta. And obviously, I mean, this has been a long time in the making, if you ask me, or at least it definitely it's needed to change for a while. But the Washington Redskins are finally undergoing a name change after social pressure during the you know current environment. Uh, I know we, I've talked about this with friends for years, and we thought that it might have changed years ago, but they obviously were just dragging their feet as long as they possibly could. But yeah, so they will no longer be the Redskins, and they haven't announced their name, but they announced yesterday that they are no longer the Redskins. So there's been a lot of speculation, lots of talk. We want to get your input, so please reply to this podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, in the comments, and let us know or what you think the name of the new Washington team will be. James, I don't know if you want to go first, but I know which, what my vote is. What about yours? I think I saw yours on Twitter. That is, and I'm bringing it up because I put it out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I definitely think, and uh, it was perfect. You know, it, ESPN posted on, like, they posted the poll, right? And it was like, I thought about it before, well before they ever posted this on Instagram, but I looked at it and they posted the poll and it had like, nobody voted for the answer that I wanted. And it was funny because it said, what should the replacement name be, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. could it stare you any further or more dead in the face that you need to just rip off the movie The Replacements and name them the Washington Sentinels, which I just think is a really awesome name. Like a Sentinel is just like somebody who's like there, like it's like a soldier who like stands their ground right like like defends home i think that's sweet a washington sentinel they i think they were doing like a i think somebody said they wanted like the washington americans or something like what do you what do you think in james what do you think they changed it to or what would you prefer it be changed to what the most common one i think that i'm seeing out there is the washington warriors where they would still be able to kind of keep some kind of native american branding but i don't know Isn't that they're the gonna point, do that yeah the point i don't is know that they're gonna do that. that i saw that another report that said that they're gonna completely get rid of any native american references so i don't know that they do that either um it's interesting that the owner daniel snyder said that he would never change the logo and you know obviously current events may have impacted that but it was also the the sponsor of the team stadium name the team the the company that has the team stadium rights that that prompted him to change the name well yeah because you know how much money that they make off team naming stadium rights Mm -hmm. probably more than anything except for tv contracts Mm mm-hmm so money talks. Yep, uh, my myself. Uh, one that I heard just the other day uh, that I thought was pretty interesting was the hogs. The hogs. The hogs. The Washington hogs. The Washington hogs. I thought that was pretty sweet. Just well, I mean, you know, back in the back in the eighties and nineties when 
the Washington Redskins were really good, really competitive teams. Yeah. They always had a good offensive line, and they always called them the Hogs. So it's kind of so it's a kind of a throwback to that. Yeah. And everything. I saw somebody say pigskins, and I was like, I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a football. Yeah. Like a pigskin is a football, but like Washington pigskins instead of Redskins, I was like. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. that kind of harkens back too much to the old name. I think. Yeah, it's and then, then, it's then like, it just then like, you're not even getting rid of it. Yeah, you're just kind of just like transforming it into some other type of non-formative word. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I like the Sentinels. I think I saw like the Generals, the Washington Generals. The only reason why I and it's hilarious I say this because the Washington Sentinels to me, even though it's from a movie, doesn't sound like a foreign made-up name or whatever, right? I feel like the Washington Generals is just so generic. That is what every, like, video game has ever just filled in as, like, the computer team. When you watch, like, any given Sunday, it was like, yeah, like, the Washington Generals totally, like, on every time ever, it was just so easy to name them the Generals. That's why I think Sentinels is, is sweeter, personally. Mm-hmm. Well, and even if you want to get geeky, the uh, in the X-Men comic books, the Sentinels were the giant robots that the government would send after the mutants. Could you imagine? Yeah, that sounds even better. <laughs> what, what, imagine if you just had a big robot as your mascot. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. The other thing about the it hogs. Offend anybody. The other thing about the hogs that is kind of cool is that it kind of is almost a quasi-political reference too, because you know, excessive spending in a bill is called pork. So you have a DC reference sort of there too. Trim some fat sort off of. the hogs. Yeah. Trim some fat off the hogs. Well, we're gonna trim some fat off the end of this episode. And cut it off here. We really appreciate you for listening to episode 134. As always, we look forward to having you back for 135. Make sure you like, retweet, share, comment, give us. Do whatever it does, and we will get you fed. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you then.